This episode has been brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. You are invited to attend their open house on November 10th to discover what makes Heschel special. Visit torontoheschel.org for more details. That's Toronto, H-E-S-C-H-E-L dot org. We had sweet, sweet dreams. 49 years ago. This dream was only till the war started. And when it started, our devotion to each other was so strong that we always believed that if we're going to be together, we're going to make it. That's the sound of Saul Rubinek's late parents, Franja and Israel Rubinek. They were Polish Holocaust survivors who he profiled in a documentary he produced back in 1986. It's called So Many Miracles, and it's a companion to his book about how his parents felt they were able to survive. Now Rubinek is in his early 70s and living in Los Angeles, and recently you might have watched him in his role on the Amazon Prime series Hunters with Al Pacino, where Rubinek plays a fictional Holocaust survivor working with a team of others just like him to track down and kill Nazis in 1970s America. And he's just wrapped shooting a new film called Stittel about Jewish life in Ukraine before the Germans came. But despite all this on-screen connection to the Holocaust, in his private life, Rubinek has been trying for years to come to terms with how the Holocaust impacted his own real family through three generations, his parents, himself, and now his own children. And that's why he's been working it out in a new play. It's called All in the Telling. And until he can get it produced in a theater when COVID permits... Rubinek will perform some parts of it himself in Canada for the first time at a virtual Kristallnacht memorial event being put on by the Ottawa Centre for Holocaust Education and Scholarship. The play is, uh, is complicated, um, and I'll explain it, uh, what it is. You know, I don't change any names. The char- my parents' names, my name, my, my daughter's name, my wife Eleanor's name, uh, I, haven't, I haven't hidden anything. At least nobody's planning to sue me yet, so I'll change the names if I get a lawsuit coming at me, but I don't think my family's going to sue me. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, November the 4th, 2021. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Saul Rubinek's parents survived the war, mainly thanks to a Catholic Polish farming family who hid them for more than two years. Saul was born after the war ended in 1948, while his parents lived in a displaced persons camp in Germany. The family moved to Canada later and eventually settled in Ottawa, where Saul's father encouraged him to get involved in a local theatre, because Israel Rubinek had been an actor too. Since then, the award-winning veteran star has been in too many films and TV shows to count here, including Schitt's Creek and Lost and Frasier and Warehouse 13 and Benny Cooperman and more. Coming up, Rubinek will be here to discuss why he hopes that by finally telling the story of his own life as one of the second generation, he can find common ground with audiences from other cultures who have their own family's generational traumas to deal with. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I am Odette Aron, in a state of global nomadity, but post-pandemic, 
coming to Canada, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Remembrance Day is also coming up next week, and if you're looking for a ceremony to attend to honor the Jewish troops who served for Canada, here are a couple to put on your calendar. B'nai B'rith is teaming up with the Jewish War Veterans of Canada Toronto Post on Thursday, November 11th. It'll be online, as it was last year, at 11 o'clock Eastern Time. Montreal's community ceremony will also be online. It's organized by Larry Rosenthal. His brother Willie was killed in Sicily in 1943. It begins at 10.30 online Eastern Time. Meanwhile, Edmonton's Jewish Cemetery will hold its event in person outdoors at 10 a.m. local time. And if you're watching the National Ceremony from Ottawa this year, it'll be the first time it won't include Rabbi Reuven Bulka as the Jewish military chaplain. As you know, the rabbi died of cancer in June. My friend Michael Brook is an award-winning Canadian author. He's also a magazine and a book publisher. But a few years ago, Michael wanted a career change. So we went to work at a local Jewish funeral home in Toronto. Michael heard hundreds of eulogies, and he wondered how these stories will be passed on to future generations. So he decided to create a new memoir company. It's called Time for My Story. It's about the insights and wisdom and stories you want to share with family and friends before it's too late. As Michael says, a memoir book is an investment in your family and in their memories. It also makes a truly remarkable gift. In honor of November being Holocaust Education Month, a portion of all proceeds from Time for My Story orders will be donated to fighting anti-Semitism. For a free half-hour consultation, please email Michael. Visit timeformystory.com to learn more. The link is in our show notes. It's taken Saul Rubinek four years to write the new play. It's about making his documentary and writing the book, and much later exposing his own children to the Holocaust. Their daughter Hannah got told at age 13, and then Rubinek showed his film to her class, and their students had homework to find out their own family's stories. Flash forward to today, both children are in show business, and the play is partly thanks to them pushing him to tell stuff he'd left out while his parents and the Polish farmers we're still alive. Saul Rubinek joins me now from his home in L.A. What I'm writing about is how uh, writing a book about my parents, which I started doing when I was in my 20s, it took about 10 years of interviewing my mom and dad about their experiences before, during, and after the war in Poland and in the refugee camp where I was born. That took about 10 years. And then once it was published, uh, right around the same time, I went together with the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, CBC and I, both financed a very small crew going to Poland in the last year and a half of communist regime in Poland, 1986, summer of 86. And uh, and then the book came out right as the documentary came out at the Toronto Film Festival in the fall of 87. And so that experience, how writing the book, making the documentary film, all of which happened before I had children. Um, my daughter was born in 91, and my son wasn't born until 95. And eventually introducing them to the subject was a major part of my life. When to introduce children to the subject, how to introduce children to the subject. And I was really interested dramatically in how to present how three generations of my family was affected ultimately by my delving into 
my parents' experiences, my own experiences, my children's experiences, with my investigation into their survival. And uh, very particular and a very unique story, as all stories of survival are. And I guess, and I hoped, if well told, then would become universal stories. Rubinek was asked why he didn't only want Jewish audiences to hear this story. I, I don't want to exclusivize the Holocaust experience. It is already a unique experience. It was a particular genocide with its own particular roots and its own mechanisms and its own reasons. And But there probably hasn't been a day on the planet where there hasn't been some kind of genocide. And I'm interested in joining hands with other people who have um, dealt with this with with trauma my story is really about how i had to deal with my parents this i think that other people will relate to my story could you tell us how your children may have partially been the spark to write all in the telling i grew up with parents who had nightmares who um i'm you know i used to think that every jewish every kid not just jewish kid every kid parents had nightmares and the little kid would go into the parents' bedroom to find out if everything was okay. It wasn't until I had a first sleepover that I found out that was just, that was my house, you know. But in any case, I think that I was told too early and we all thought that the age 13 made sense. It's a time when we thought in terms of the education, in terms of the understanding of the development of the child, that's when they can begin to contextualize cause and effect. Now, People disagree with this, that they want to raise their children the way they want to. I'm telling you about me and Eleanor and what we did. So has the writing of the play helped you? Has it been cathartic? I don't know. No, it's not yet. Uh, it's a play. It's not a, it's not a, in the act of writing is partially cathartic, but it's a play. It's a blueprint. It needs to be performed and produced. It needs an audience. The verb that's intrinsic to what I hope I'm doing is, not so much what am I getting out of it, but what do I have to give? And the thing is that I have to give uh, is at the moment it's for actors and a director and a designer and producer and all the things that go along with creating a play. And then that's given to an audience that then assists in making it a meaningful experience. And that act itself is is the full circle at that point, I think building some catharsis. And what stage is the play at now? When is it going to be shown in the theater? So what I need to do now, I have a producer uh, for the play, um, and uh, none of which, all of the details of which I can't reveal until they're, you know, they're solid. So the play is uh, gathering together its financing. And I have, yeah, I have dreams about what I would like to do. I mean... To me, I would like my hometown, Ottawa, to, I'd love it to premiere there before it toured the country. I'd like, I'd love it to be in Ottawa somewhere, National Arts Centre, or I don't know where, the Ottawa Little Theatre maybe. Uh, wherever, uh, Ottawa's a hometown to me and where I began to be an actor, and it means a lot, would mean a lot to me. Uh, I think that I would like it to, if it's successful, and uh, I would like it to tour. But I'm especially interested in the play being done in Poland. Well, in Eastern Europe, for sure, but in Poland, 
in particular, uh, especially since right now the Polish government is so, in my opinion, so um, egregiously right-wing and uh, and have even made a law that one can't talk about uh, Polish collaboration with the Nazis. You know, it's such an odd thing how people want to rewrite history, isn't it? I guess what I believe, I honestly believe, and I think it's partly what my play is about, it's probably a question I'm going to answer that you haven't asked. Or you are, I think it's what, what I would want to know if I were asking me questions. I believe that we all have in our background four characters to do with this subject. And these four characters, no matter what culture or race you're from, we have perpetrators, we have victims, we have heroes, and we have bystanders. And sometimes that those personalities, maybe more often than sometimes, are within one person, within ourselves. How else do you understand monstrous behavior? I think that uh, the only way to really understand horrific acts perpetrated by human beings, horrific suffering suffered by human beings, extraordinary acts of bravery where people risk their lives to save others that maybe even strangers, or the fact that people can stand by and do nothing, is if we see those characters within ourselves. I don't think change is possible unless we understand that within ourselves. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. And this episode's also been brought to you in part by the Toronto Heschel School. Attend their open house on November 10th. You can go to torontoheschel.org and get more details. Today's listener shout-out goes to Marcy Grossman. She's Canada's ambassador to the United Arab Emirates, who I was told listens to the CJN Daily in Abu Dhabi. And I hope to have you on our show soon. And we'll end today's episode with a sneak peek from a coming episode. It's my interview with Canadian scholar Professor Ruth Weiss. She's got a new memoir out, and the book argues that Jewish communities have made a big mistake focusing so much on Holocaust education and museums rather than about teaching about the miracle of the Jewish people and celebrating modern Israel. I've just read that the Montreal Jewish community is putting up a Holocaust museum. I couldn't believe it. You know, I feel that this is such a terrible wrong. And now at a stage of time when you can already see that this is not the way to educate North American uh, uh, kids. People who know nothing about the Jews, this is the way you're going to introduce them to the Holocaust? I, I cannot, you see, I cannot see one argument for it. I can see every argument for the Jews really building into their Judaism, another form of commemoration for this, the greatest of all, tragedies that ever befell the people. Of course we have to mourn it, but to ask the world to, under, to know German history, to ask the world to see German brutality and to think that that is going to prevent something, you know, 
do we know anything about Judaism? Haven't we learned anything from Judaism? What Judaism has taught us is that you teach the good. The Limud Toronto Festival takes place on Sunday, November 21st. Limud features educators, performers, authors, activists, and innovators from around the world. The Limud Festival of Jewish Learning celebrates creativity, diversity, inclusivity, and discussion. Everyone is welcome. All tickets to Limud are pay what you can. Learn more at limud.ca.